What common day sin promotes slavery, negative body image, failure to communicate, and even dampens the feeling of pleasure? Porn is not new. The Bible warns all over about the dangers of lust outside of marriage and the dangers it poses to both the body and the soul. The best way to talk about sex is to talk about what a healthy sexual relationship looks like. And we plan on doing that today. Welcome to The Pilgrim Song. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Pilgrim Song. I'm Alexander. And I'm Charlie. And we're your two favorite interracial friends talking about Jesus. We are glad you are here for another week. And as you can probably tell from our intro, this is a little bit more of a controversial, sensitive topic. So we're going to tread lightly, do our best to handle this in a kind and, and uh, generous way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it comes at a very important time as the as the... I don't know, as the year kind of comes to a close and, and there's more darkness, uh, that kind of, it allows for more social isolation and bec- this becomes a lot bigger of a problem. Um, <clears throat> so to, to begin though, Charlie, do you, have you heard of Fight the New Drug, the company Fight the New Drug? I actually have not. Okay. Not nice. So November, the com- this company, I really like this organization called Fight the New Drug. Uh, it's a nonprofit and they run a, uh, Hashtag no porn November. Uh, so they have some really awesome merch. One of my favorite shirts that I ever that I ever wear. It says "Hold fast to love." And it's got an anchor on it. And it's blue. You probably see me wear it. The company around. that does the porn kills love. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's them. Yeah, it's their company. Yeah. I have I have one of their bracelets on. You can't see it, but I have one of their bracelets on. I really like the company and what they stand for is, of course, this drug being pornography because it has these very addicting negative effects. Um, now for them specifically, they say that they're non-religious, like this is just an ethical point of view. My reason for being against pornography or taking it very seriously is because it's Jesus, of course. Um, but I do think that what they stand for is really important for us to consider. So we are trying to make, I want to make this very clear from the beginning as well, that we are two guys talking about this issue. But girls also struggle with this. Mm. Uh, so I think we've made it a very male-centric problem. But uh, Psychology Today in 2008 reported these facts specifically. In terms of basic results, they found that 73% of women and 98% of men reported internet porn use in the last six months for a total of 85% of respondents. For porn use within the last week, the numbers were lower, 80% of men and 26% of women. Pre-recorded videos were the most common type of online porn used for both men and women. Those who reported both using porn more often noted a greater received lack of control. So the perception, again, it is male-centric, but is based on evidence, like girls also struggle with this. So the reality is, one, girls want sex, too, and two, the problem is not a gendered issue. It is a human issue where we have failed to view and treat self in a sex in a healthy way. So we're going to be trying to talk a little bit about this, a little bit of why we, why you shouldn't do it for physical reasons, spiritual reasons, and concluding with 
figuring out how to handle sex in the, in the healthiest God-centered way that we can. So, do you have anything you want to say before we jump no, in? No, I'm really glad that you brought up the statistics specifically, but also the idea of, like, it's not just a, a problem that men have. Because mm-hmm. um, I do think that's a big misconception. I feel like, you know, we oftentimes recognize it, but we don't talk about it a lot. Being, mm-hmm. you know, like, growing up, I remember there was times where we'd have classes, like, just with the men where we would talk about this. And then the women would talk about how to support men that are going through this and never like, how do you deal with this issue? It was, that's usually, you know, just a big, a a big thing within the church. I know specifically, I know it's outside the church as well. It's just, it's viewed mostly as a man problem Mm -hmm. uh, and not one that women struggle with. So hopefully we can kind of break down some of those barriers today and apply this both to men and to women. Absolutely. I I think that's a, a thing we have to work on as a church going forward is reminding ourselves that this is not just a, Men are not the only ones who struggle with lust. So we have to really, it's a battle all of us have to fight. Mm. So, <clears throat> all righty. So again, to begin, we want to talk a little bit about the physical implications that porn, porn can have on you. Uh, there is, when, when I was looking up uh, specifically these reasons, uh, Fight the New Drug, if you go to the, their website, they have a ton of articles on these different uh, on these different things. But additionally, when I was just looking up information like from psychology today or stuff like that, uh, Google, like it kind of censored me. Hmm. So I don't know if that's like them trying to just cut down on porn and don't, didn't once I started typing porn, they were like, no. Or if it was like, I don't, I don't know. It was very weird though. Cause I was starting to type it in and just be like, normally it'll autofill into this stuff. It was just like, as soon as I typed P O R N, it was like, no. Shut off ours. Yeah. It's interesting. So, but I still got a lot of stuff. So, negative reflect, negative effects that porn can have, specifically in relationships. Uh, they say that the user faces difficulty becoming sexually aroused without pornography. That's, hmm. that's a terrible situation to be in. Uh, user loses interest and engages in fewer, uh, sexual part, or fewer sexual acts, I guess partner feels sexually inadequate and threatened by pornography use that's really dangerous as well because you know especially if you're thinking about your wife or your husband you want them to be satisfied all that good stuff so when you use pornography that can threaten that partner may feel that certain sexual activities desired uh, by user are objectionable a lot of, a lot of people blame the rise in you know non-content non-consensual sexual assault type stuff is on more violent porn and harder porn. Uh, so both user and partner experience a decrease in relationships, sexual satisfaction and emotional closeness. I think this is one that's pretty evident. I don't have a relationship with my computer. I have a relationship with my girlfriend. Um, so the second you try to substitute that in, you know, naturally we're not in that part of our lives yet, but once you try to substitute that thing in, if something is emotionally drawing you over your spouse of course that the sex is not going to be as good so that's a pretty disastrous position to be in relationship trust decreases due to dishonesty and deception about pornography use it's a lot of times a place of shame in some place and in some ways i think it should be that you shouldn't desire to do this but it should not cause you to lie more and then it says one or both partners may be concerned about children's exposure to pornographic materials. Mm-hmm. That was even 
on my radar. Like I was really focused on the, oh yeah, the marriage, the effects on the marriage. And it's like every effect on a marriage has an effect on the children and how they're going to view this. And uh, early exposure to children and pornography. I didn't even mention that in here, but uh, that has some disastrous effects as well. Like serial killer type effects. Yep. So, and 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 when you when you go through these, like we had somebody that came and gave a talk, uh, a series, like, and one of the things he talked about was specifically pornography and addiction to pornography, and he went into a lot of the science behind it as well. Where he, you could, I mean, he even had like brain scans mm-hmm. and images of people who have versus have not. I mean, it really does. It works exactly like a drug, mm-hmm. like 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 the way that you would view like an addictive substance, because that's that's what it is. And it has the same effect on your brain and your brain chemistry that, that a drug can have. So when you get addicted to something like that, it can dull a lot of the senses that you would normally have, like with your wife, to where you need, you know, like where someone chases after a bigger high, you, you chase after, you know, the similar yeah. thing, but you get that high out of watching pornography mm-hmm. versus taking a drug. Yeah, that so. emotional distance will only grow. It's, that's, it's heartbreaking for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's say that you're not married like me, you're not married in a relationship. So it's like, well, I'm not married or I'm single. So surely I should be able to use porn or that there's won't be really effects because I'm not in a relationship. Uh, let's say that's not true. So part of the effects are withdrawing from social activity. Um, that's, you know, a problem that we are, we're already dealing with recovering from social isolation from this past year, still working through those effects pornography only makes it worse developing a secret life you know one that you hide from others a lot of people talk about mask wearing when it comes to church and hypocrisy uh porn use only helps that more so Mm. lying to and deceiving others continue that not just with your married partner but with other people uh you become self-centered right you it becomes about your pleasure and your desire over other people and you choose porn over people rather than having actual relationships uh, you treat people as sex objects, not as, you know, people. And we're going to talk about particularly people made in the image of God in a little bit. Um, you judge people primarily on their body parts, not as, again, people. Uh, you experience a lot of mood swings. Depression and stuff like stuff like that tends to follow. Uh, anxiety also because you're trying to protect this side of your life. Disrespecting other people's needs for privacy and safety. That's this, That's disturbing. Uh, being insensitive about sexually harmful behavior, accessing porn at work or school, accessing child abuse imagery, participating in degree, degrading, abusive, violent, or criminal sexual activity, producing, distributing, or selling porn, engaging in physically unsafe and harmful sex. It has effects on your personal health, on your family life, on your work and school pursuits, your finances, and to top it all off, you're supplying an industry that makes its money off of literal slavery. Mm-hmm. The effects, you know, it's it I'm not trying to puff myself up here, but as someone who didn't really struggle with this, I've heard from people who really do and still do that, you know, you take that kind of first step into it and then it just gets harder and harder and harder. So you just use as Charlie already mentioned, it's reworking your brain. So you're going to need to find a new high. So then you start getting into this stuff that you never thought you would be into. And probably you even hate yourself a little bit for getting into it, but it is, it's what your brain, it feels like it needs. So, and this stuff, you know, going from the, from, from the unmarried list 
Right. If if when, if you become addicted to pornography while you're unmarried, be, putting a ring on your finger is not going to cure mm. your addiction for that. And I and I've I've heard people that have had that misconception before, where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm addicted to it, but I know like once I get married and I have someone I can have sex with, and I'm not going to be addicted. Like then it will end. Like I'm I'm not going to like obviously at that point, right? Why mm-hmm. watch? Why do I need porn when I have? you know, a spouse or whatever. And then that person then gets married and guess what? The addiction's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then it goes from the list of things that were struggles when you weren't married now becomes the struggles when you are married. Mm-hmm. Um, so marriage is not a cure for the addiction to pornography. And if, you know, I want to cure, I want to cure, I want to clear up that misconception if that's one that maybe you have, or, you mm-hmm. know, people that have had that. So, and it, it really can take over just like, I mean, it's just like a drug. I Absolutely. Know what you're saying. Like, it really, it really is. It takes over every part of your life in some way or another where it affects you in ways that you may not even realize. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, have, you know, if you're caught in the situation, of course, the point of this podcast is not to just absolutely bash you um it is introducing you to the dangers of the physical we're going to talk about the spiritual but also it's a kind of cry for you to go and reach out and Mm. find some help that perhaps this requires therapy like as charlie's mentioned it's like a drug and that means that you kind of need a therapy you need some sort of it's this something needs to be not addicted to anymore so any steps you can take in that if it's just simply accountability partner someone being there that's going to help you uh covenant eyes i've heard is pretty solid um and that that is a porn blocker if you're a type of person who will find their way around a porn blocker just get rid of your phone like just get rid of your laptop it's not worth selling your soul or your relationships over the whole body being cast <laughs> yeah. oh man spoilers we're gonna have to get to that <laughs> so well and, and with that too and what we're gonna get into later is the understanding that you know all of this stems from things that god has put into our our, our brains right i mean he's the one that designed us he's the one that designed how our minds work and how mm-hmm. we think and this this idea of of you know being reproductive is a thing that god has given us uh, and sex is something that God has allowed us to be able to enjoy, to have in life. It's a it's a very important part of life, as we'll see in scriptures mm-hmm. um, later on. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, if you think that I'm addicted to this because there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. It is. It stems from an area that can be beautiful and should be a tool that God has given us that we can use to enjoy life and to be able to create new life potentially mm-hmm. as well. Like it's. It does not stem from a bad place. It stems from a good place. But as humans tend to do, sometimes we take that and we abuse it and we use it for bad things. That's the perfect word. This thing that God has brought in and it's good and then humans abuse it to make it bad. And that's that's what a lot of sin is. Good intentions and then just abused. So um, if you're struggling with this again, do not isolate yourself. You do not need less community when you struggle. You need more community. For sure. Um, so be reaching out. And, uh, yeah, if, if you kind of, there's at least some perception that porn does not have an effect on you. Uh, the more you use it, nothing could be further than from the truth. For sure. Every statistic says that. Um, so just, just some encouragement to take this a little bit seriously. Anything else before we move on to the spiritual implications? Okay. So, all right. <clears throat> we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about handling this uh, in the best way. 
Now, what is more important than even what happens physically, as hard as that can be and as dangerous as that can be, the more important side of the issue is the spiritual cost or implication of this continuous behavior. Now, when it comes to porn use and what healthy uh, sex is, I don't think that the Bible could be much clearer on this issue. Um, <clears throat> so I want to I take my basis starting in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 26 and verse 27, talks about how all humans are made in the image of God. And that's a wonderful passage. It's had implications for how it has implications for how we treat every single person we encounter. Every human is made in the image of God. So that means we respect them, and it doesn't matter their color or their political orientation or anything else like that. Um so everyone's made in the image of God. But what happens when you use porn, specifically based upon some of the things that we just talked about and other statistical evidence, you start viewing humans as not human. Mm. You take away that godness, that imago day out of them, and you are viewing them as meat bags uh, to be exploited. I'm looking for specific parts or anything else like that. Uh, so you take away, instead of loving your neighbor instead, your neighbor is just, I don't know. It's pretty gross. Yeah. So you don't even view them as your neighbor. I would feel like no. Yeah. 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 You you just spend your time objectifying them. Yeah. It's they're not real. I guess mm -hmm. in your mind is how you justify that. Well, I'm I don't know. Yeah. I guess psychology. <laughs> I don't have a psychology degree. There you go. I'm not gonna try to dabble in it. I'll leave that up to oh, people more qualified. Than there me. you go. But it it does have an effect on how you view people. Right. And especially if you are attending a congregation, that means that whether it be a man or a woman in your congregation, you are viewing them less than how God has, you know, put in them, right? So that is the number one of the dangers, extreme dangers. Of this. Do you think that we do that knowingly or do you think that that's just a side effect that occurs? Yeah, I think it's just a side effect. I think it just, it just becomes, this is all I see when I'm blasting my dopamine receptors yeah. all day and then it's just like my brain just does not make the transfer yeah. over that this is a real person so that's part of the danger i think and i don't know that you're always going to be aware of the fact that you're doing that too mm -hmm. like with going along with that you know I'd, maybe you are and that's something you should deal with but you, you may not realize that you're even looking at people with those goggles on mm -hmm. in that way that's a worry yeah and i think that's just such an important part of mindful christianity is knowing mm, yeah what your intentions are um increasing mindfulness in every aspect of of life and speci specifically in christianity with this is oh, yeah. so important yeah so love the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength so very important <clears throat> as we get into matthew 5 as Charlie is spoiled for you already. <laughs> of course. You, you, you knew we were going here. Like, yeah. seriously. Uh, this passage is has very deep implications. Mm. He says in Matthew 5, verse 27 through 30, You have heard it said, or you have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye caused you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Um, <clears throat> so, I think a common view of porn, at least from the outside world, at least, is as long as what I'm doing does not affect someone else, it should be fine. Uh, that's untrue. And Jesus tells us that he tell, like he's not saying, oh yeah, adultery is not bad. He's saying he's making adultery stricter than what the interpretation was. He says that literally adultery is, even if you look at someone with this lustful intent. Um, so whether you're driving down the street or you're on the beach or they're in a magazine or a computer, because sometimes if they're driving down the street, like, you know, if you're driving down, I, I live in Tuscaloosa, so, you know, pretty much any excuse for a college student to wear less clothing. This is men and women, like the dudes who wear the really short shorts and don't wear a shirt. And I'm just like, wow, that's unbelievable. Um, so pretty much any excuse to wear as little clothing as possible, it will happen. If it's 40 the day before and then it becomes 65 the day after, it's coming out. So that's just the way it goes. So you don't have a choice with all these things. Um, but you do have a choice specifically when it comes to porn and what you're viewing. Um, and Jesus says, like, this is how serious it is, that you should tear your eye out if it becomes a serious. Now, I do not think that you should take Jesus literally, literally. Like, I do not think you should poke your eyes out. But you have to take, this is how serious it is. It is so important that you, you would, you should rather lose in part of your body than to burn in hell. Because every choice that you make that you're going to objectify and perform this action, you are making your side yourself more of a child of hell than a child of heaven that you pursue the kingdom of hell more than you pursue the kingdom right. of god this is not who king, god jesus wants in his kingdom so do not be lustful people <laughs> yeah. no this is a is a very interesting passage um because there's there's so many there's so many applications you can bring out mm -hmm. of like the first of all one it just shows you how bad hell really is right mm -hmm. when he says that it would be better for you to lose a limb here on earth and to live without your eyes here on earth than it would be to spend eternity in hell yeah. like you think about not having you know like doing that to yourself like oh that would be um, that would be awful mm -hmm. but hell is so far vastly worse than that um, the other thing too is uh, is is where this can be applied right is it it's the whole idea of the sin begins in the heart, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's across the board with all sins. I don't think that's specific just to lust. I think that's everything, right? Mm -hmm. uh, anger, anything like that. All the all those things. It begins in your heart, and lust is one of those, right? Where it's not the the outward action, you know, actually acting physically on your lust, right? We all know that that's an issue. But the issue begins before that. Mm -hmm. You act before you actually do anything physically, right? Your your mind is already made up. So mm -hmm. when you you know, when you think about this word like David and Bathsheba, David sinned when he like didn't look away, right? He continued to look, mm -hmm. right? He looked too long. He lingered there. That's when it became that that is the problem. For sure. Um and then we know the rest of the story from there. It wasn't when he brought Bathsheba in and physically acted on it. No, it was before that. It's when he looked at another woman mm -hmm. with that lust, and that's when it began. Uh, I think it's pretty clear in that story when you read it. And this is exactly what Jesus is, is telling people now. Is it's not when you act on it. Mm -hmm. It is when you first look. For it sure. is when you have those thoughts. When you lust after her in your heart, then you've already, you've already committed the physical act. Even if you don't, you have in your heart. Yeah. And you're going to be held 
to the same standard as somebody who physically acts upon that. Mm-hmm. And that's what blows my mind is this, it, it, the, when you, when he equates these two sins mm-hmm. together, it's like you thinking about a, a, a woman or a male in that way is you were just as guilty as somebody who, you know, is arrested for, for having sex with, you know, like a, a minor or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. You, you are the same as someone who commits adultery and, you know, their marriage is torn apart and you see that happen. Right. You were just as guilty of that. If you look at somebody mm-hmm. and have that emotion toward them, it's incredible. It is and uh, powerful. Absolutely. It, it is very, it makes us think it should make us think. And it, and as you're mentioning, it shows that their perception when they when God says don't commit adultery, they were taking it. Okay, well I'm going to go as far as close as I can to adultery as I possibly can, right. as long as I don't cheat on my wife, then I'm right. fine. And Jesus is like, you even look with lustful intent, yeah. that is the issue. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's we have to take it very serious. And then I think we can apply this specifically back into to pornography as well. And this is a point that I do like to make often is that. Porn is not just the things that you watch on your phone mm. or on your computer, right? It's not just those videos that you know about. It's not just the pictures. It's not just the magazine, whatever. It's not that. Porn is, is everywhere. Mm. Porn it can be can come from a, a very someone not wearing very many clothes, right, that's walking down the street, right? That in and of itself could be pornographic material. Mm. When, when you look at that and you lust after that, when you see that, that... That's the same when you're scrolling through social media and you see pictures of people like in very, you know, as my mother used to say, they were scantily clad Mm -hmm. people. Right. And you and you feel that emotion towards them. That's pornography. Yeah. Okay. That that's the same. It, it really is. It, it, it's the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just the videos. It's not just the pictures. It is all around you all the time. And as a Christian, that that's a challenge because you're you're having to force yourself, right? You know, you're not just. The, you, you, the, you, there's really nowhere safe, really, right? If I'm walking around a college campus, it's all around me. Mm-hmm. If I'm at home, right, I have a phone, I have a computer, right? I have access to it. I'm not safe there, right? There's really nowhere I can go, and so that that presents a very big challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what Jesus is trying to address with this: Pretty is how you can, has how you're supposed to handle that challenge. Yes, and so. I and I think that plays into what you've already talked about: mindful Christianity. Right. That means that I'm going in with the intention that I am not going to. Make this woman, no matter how she is dressed, I'm not going to make her into an object of my fantasy or anything like right. that. I'm going to treat her, love her as right. I love myself. So, and again, this goes this goes both ways, yes. right? Yeah. It's not just men who look at women and lust after them. It can go. It can go the other way. It can. Women can struggle with this just as much as men can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that it's different. I'm not a woman. I can't speak to that. <laughs> I'm sure it's different. The emotion may feel different than it is for a man, but it's still there yeah. and it's still an issue, right? And it's something that both can struggle with. Mm-hmm. Jesus does not make this an issue with just men. Yeah. At no point in this does he say, men, <laughs> I tell you, this is an issue, yeah. right? It's this is an issue for, for all followers, yeah. for all humans, because right, we're all created in the same yeah. image of God, right? We all have the same emotions. Mm-hmm. So. so it is important. Again, we, so God has put in this desire for us 
So that means that women want sex, men want sex. So we just have to learn how to handle it in a healthy way. And Jesus is telling us to objectify someone in this way, to have this lustful intent for someone that you are not married to, that is not okay. That is abusive, all this bad stuff. So we have to be very care- careful about the implication it has on the body and the soul. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right. Anything else you want to say on Matthew 5? Mm-hmm. All right. So we have one more passage out of 1 Thessalonians 4. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians is written naturally to a Greek audience. So Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience, but Paul is speaking to a Greek audience. And if you don't think that the Greeks struggle with porn, you need to read a history book because they did. It was hardcore back yeah. in this day. So whether that was homosexual or heterosexual, uh, you can go look at the images and the art all this type of stuff. Just go look at how Zeus, like, go read some Zeus myths. That dude was not based off of, like, some arbitrary thing. That was based off of the culture. Yeah. So, based upon how their literal gods acted, um, the Greeks were not the most upright of individuals when it came mm-hmm. to handling sex in a healthy way. So, when Paul is writing to the Greeks about this, um, he says to the Thessalonians specifically, First Thessalonians 4, he says, finally, then, brothers, we ask you to urge or ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgressed and wronged his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So, Paul emphasized here that the entire <laughs> culture around them was obsessed with pornographic material, if you will. And ain't nothing changed. 2,000 years, ain't nothing changed. So that means we must be just as aware about the control that we are supposed to have. Because the culture does not care about this. Mm-hmm. Their culture didn't. Our culture doesn't. So what are we called on to do? In a way, we rage against the culture, not because we're just saying, ah, you know, I don't know exactly how you would rage in it in other ways. But how you rage against it in the biblical sense is you control your vessel. Right. That means I'm going to stay away from anything that's going to lead me astray. I'm going to stay away from anything that's going to cause any impurity, any impure thoughts. I'm going to stay away from sexual immorality, not just in the in the ways of literally committing adultery, but also in porn use and other things like that right so you are responsible for you and that means that you go and seek help if you need and all this other stuff but you can't just sit around and blame the culture like oh everything around me is so bad there's so many bikinis and all this stuff jesus doesn't make this excuse of well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what anyone's wearing it is based upon your you know your heart right so that's what needs to be edified i mean you know what the culture encourages it, right? It's mm-hmm. not even just like it's a part of like the culture celebrates it. Like especially like, when, we, when we read like about the Greeks, like they like the body, like they they celebrated it. Mm-hmm. They celebrated sex as like this this beautiful thing, which it is. We'll yes. talk about in the next section. <laughs> but 
they took that as, you know, you should have as much of it with as many people as you possibly can because, you know, it is like because of the way that they viewed it and the way they treated it. And it's the same with culture today, too. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have so many TV shows that have scenes in there about it, read books, and it's in there about it. Like, it's it's everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Sex is everywhere because it is such a big part of life and it is such a big part of culture. And so it just makes your job just even that add more difficult. Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to uh, I mean, just all the stuff that, as Charlie mentioned, like, not just movies and stuff like that. Even like songs are very mm-hmm. sexual. And yeah. I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, the modern stuff. And it's like, there's some old songs. I've listened to stuff from my parents' day. It still is, it really leans into this. Yeah. So they use different words and phrases, but yeah. the idea is still there. It is there. So what the intention of a Christian is that I am going to use that God is going to be glorified in my body. And this is how I'm going to treat it in a, in the most respectful manner. So, all right. Anything else you want to say on that? That's it. All right. So naturally we don't want to just leave with this kind of doom and gloomy thing because the Bible appreciates humanity and it appreciates sex. So we're going to talk about how we healthily view this and we'll just address that when we come right back. So as we move into the last section, what we want to talk about is uh, what a healthy view of sex looks like. We've spent a lot of time uh, up to this talking about, you know, an unhealthy view and an unhealthy relationship with sex um, through pornography and through other things and, and really the abuse of that. Um, but ultimately, it's a good thing, right? And that's what we want to talk about here and that we should have good, healthy views of it because it's something that God has given us. Um, so as we move into this, really, I just have three points and this just just scratches the surface of what uh, this is, right? Uh, I'm just trying to keep this pretty basic and simple and short. Um, so the first thing is, is God views it as good. Ultimately, sex is not evil. It is good. It's what man has done to it that has made it evil, mm-hmm. right? Um, lust is a desire that God has given us within our hearts. Uh, and it comes from good intent because it's something that we should be able to use and enjoy. And instead, we have decided to make it something evil and we use it for selfish reasons to mm. make, you know, we, we make it feel ourselves good. We don't use it to the glory of God. We use it for, to the glory of ourselves. Um, and so that's why we have passages like the, the first one right off the bat, Genesis 1 verse 28. When God creates man and woman, that's like their first command is that they are to be fruitful and to multiply the mm. earth. And to be fruitful and multiply, that requires you to have sex. Right? That's, that's how we that's how we continue on. That's how we make new people. Um, and that's a beautiful thing that God has allowed us to do. So right from the beginning, we see that it had a purpose. And that God gave us these feelings, these emotions, this ability for a purpose. Um, then obviously we know the downfall of man happens. Well, we don't know how soon after that, but at some point after that, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see man abuse that throughout the rest of history. 
Um, but even other than even other than that passage, we have entire books like Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those books that you don't really study when you're a kid. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember not studying it when I was a kid until I actually studied it, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I've never read this before." <laughs> I knew it existed, like you, you sing in the books of the Bible. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Song of Solomon is there, but I never remember not studying that until I did. Yeah, it's just oh, <laughs> wow, yeah, that's why I never read it. But as a mature like person and as a mature adult, it is a fantastic book, and I am glad that we've had it. And I have had discussions with people who very strongly disagree with me on that, mm. um, that it is an unnecessary book and that they actually don't view it that it even should be in the scriptures at all. Really? But I would strongly disagree because I think that we have it for a reason. Because what Song of Solomon is, is a beautiful, this is the way it was explained to me uh, by Greg Chandler. Shout out to Greg Chandler, <laughs> uh, preacher in Huntsville. He was my one of my Bible teachers in high school. Um, it is a beautiful picture of what a Christian relationship should look like, mm-hmm. from the point of like when you meet them to dating to courtship, throwback word, mm-hmm. uh, to engagement, and then to marriage. So it's this, it's this beautiful picture, right? So if you ever want to know as a Christian, how am I supposed to handle a relationship? How should I handle dating, especially when dating gets serious and you feel like you've met the right person? Song of Solomon, fantastic roadmap into how you should deal with that. Yes, it's awkward. Yes, it's funny. Some of the lines in it are very old, but you can apply that into modern words in the modern times pretty easily because you know what he's trying to say. Um, but you handle that with responsibility. Um, but the fact that we have books like that, again, shows that, that sex can be a good thing, can be a beautiful thing, if you use in the right way and that it is something from God. Yeah. And if it's from God, it's not evil, right? Like we know it's not bad. It's what man does to it that makes it evil. Mm. So any, do you have any comments on that? No. It, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, that's right off the bat, right? Sex at its root is good, right? And lust, the desire that we have to act upon that is also can and should be good, right? Mm-hmm. If used in the right way, right? You should de- you should desire to be with your spouse, whether you're the man or the woman. You should want that, right? It's mm-hmm. it's a very uh, high level of intimacy that is a good thing, yeah. and that you, right? It's the two we become literally one flesh, right? We are together, right? And it's that that unity of us joining together. It's a very very good thing. Yeah. I thought of something now. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So, Matthew five, when Jesus says with lustful intent, he says with lustful intent specifically towards someone who is not your. He says wife, not your spouse. Mm-hmm. So that lustful intent is supposed to be aimed at someone, just not right. someone outside your. Marriage. Yeah, we have that desire. But where we point that gun should be at our spouse and yeah. not towards other people. Yeah. And it is difficult. Right? It, that is a Lust is a difficult emotion to control because mm-hmm. it is such a strong desire within so many of us, both mm-hmm. men and women. Um, but just like anything, right, we have to practice self-control. That's, yes. that's one of the biggest things that we have to do as Christians is, right, if we're... <laughs> Like if we didn't have to do that, then this then it would be easy, right? And it's not supposed to be easy. Mm. Um, so just like every other desire that we have within our hearts, lust is one of those ones that we have to learn how to control um, and use that in the way God intended it to be used, which is with your spouse. Mm. Um, okay, so without you don't see anything else you want to add no, to that. No. So second <laughs> thing is is kind of like the first, right? It's good, 
but it's good, number two, with the right person. You want to focus it with the right person. There is a specific person that you are supposed to have this relationship with, and that is your spouse. Again, we get that out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, right? When God is commanding them or is telling them to be fruitful, multiply your I guess it's a command. Yep. It's not really a suggestion. He says, no, do this. No, it's, it's um, <laughs> uh, it is with Adam and Eve, right? They're, 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 they're one partner with each other. They're partner for life, right? Same way God intends for it to be with us, right? You have a man, you have a woman, they're joined together in marriage. They lead their father and mother in Genesis chapter two, and they join together. Um, <clears throat> and that's the person that you're supposed to be able to share this with. Uh, another really good passage to read about this as well is 1 Corinthians 7 verses 1 and 2. Uh, which we won't read, but I encourage you to. Uh, again, it explains basically the same thing, right? That these are things that we should do and that we should have within marriage, within the marriage bed. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, we see throughout the passages we talked about and through several others, not okay. It leads to very bad things, right? You can talk about it from the spiritual side where ultimately will lead to death, but you can also look at it from the psychological side like we talked about in the first section. All of the issues that can arise psychologically just taking the Bible out of it altogether, mm-hmm. the effect that it can have is can have on you as just a, as a person uh, and on your mental health is is not good. Um, but within a marriage, right, it can be really good. That's what brings you so much closer together. Yeah. And that's really one of the things that, that, that makes it so difficult, I feel like, uh, and can be so hard on you if you're doing it outside of marriage is because the bond that you share with the person that you are participating in in that with is beyond any other bond that you can share, right? That That is a level of closeness that cannot be reached through anything else. Mm-hmm. And if you're having that with somebody, just anybody, any random person, right? That's hard on you because I think ultimately we all want that. We all want to have that person. We all want to have that relationship. Um, and so that's why, I don't know, I feel like it can be really hard on you if you're having that without that, with somebody who's not that mm-hmm. person. Um Especially if, you know, that relationship ends or something like that or that person moves on or it's not a reciprocated yeah. feeling that can take a really heavy toll on your mental health. And I've heard, um, again, I'm not an expert on that. I'm far from an expert on this, but I've just heard once you get into this kind of a mood, whether you're like a sex worker or anything like that, where you just, it's just kind of something you do, it becomes this emotionless right. thing. Or like I've heard it said that it's not even like I'm there. It's mm-hmm. just something that's happening to me yeah and it's like but in god's purpose like in a way sex is mindful like it is it is emotional commitment and it's wonderful because i get to have this with someone who's not going to exploit me and all this other type of stuff so yeah it is a huge difference so sex is good it's from god Sex is good when it's with the right person and should be done with the right person that's that's what keeps it nice and healthy with you uh and then third is it's not all about you. And that's a point that you've had an entire podcast on, uh, that we've said it multiple times throughout the, the podcast. I think you did that one with Clay. Yeah, I believe yeah. it was your podcast on that. Um, but again, just like everything else in Christianity, it's not about you. And, and you should not have a selfish mindset, uh, when it comes to sex. Um, you have, um, this very beautiful relationship between 
two people, not between one person and an object, mm-hmm. um, but between two human beings, both of which have been created by God, created in the image of God, both of which who have these feelings, these desires, these emotions. Yes, they may be a little different between a man and a woman, um, but they're still there. And it's still important to have those things together and to recognize that you're not the only person there having that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so don't treat it in that way, especially with your spouse. Don't be selfish with your spouse <laughs> marriage advice from charlie <laughs> does not lead to fun times mm. what do you have any thoughts on that uh yeah so if you keep <clears throat> reading what, what charlie mentioned last uh the last point first mm. corinthians 7 if you keep reading into that it is literally revolutionary sexual ethic talk because paul in there talks about an importance that a man has towards his wife and a wife towards her husband so when you enter this relationship both of you have to be giving to one another. Yeah. And that's like, that's not a, that was not seen in the first century. And in, even in some ways, people have this one dimensional view of how sex is supposed to work. But literally, scripturally, it's like, you're supposed to be serving each other in the in your marriage and in your sexual relationship with one another. Yeah. So that's a pretty important aspect too. Yeah. And this, and this is something that's been around for a very, very long time. And I think it goes back to this idea that this is a man problem, really. Mm-hmm. Like, sex is for men. Like, that's like where a big part of it is. Sex is for the man. It's for the husband. I've heard, I've literally heard wedding advice that women have gotten, uh, usually from an older generation of women, uh, when it comes to sex. And that is that it's not enjoyable for you and it's not supposed to be. It's all about you pleasing your husband is oh. the whole purpose of it. You, you're just there to please your husband. So just power through the pain or whatever. Just get through that. It's not about you. You know, it's for your husband. And that is sad. Oh. I, re- I really, I really feel like that, that, that's a sad view. And sadly, that's one that they spent their life viewing it as. And that's how they lived. But, and, and, and it worked for them, right? They had a, they had a marriage. Whether or not it was healthy, it's a discussion. It's a different discussion. But they, but they had their spouse, right? They got through that. Um, but that's not something that I, you know, wanted to have with my spouse. Um, that I try not to have with my spouse. And I would encourage, you know, if you're married or if you're thinking about being married, that's not something that I think that you should view it mm-hmm. as. Um, you should have open communication about it. Um, you should have uh, open understanding about it. Um, obviously, it should be consensual between the two of you. Um, anytime, right? Mm-hmm. If, just because you're married does not mean that it's open consent for anything at any point in time. Yeah. Um, that is absolutely not the case. Because again, it's not just you. It's them too. They have feelings too. They have emotions too. They have things that they like, things that they don't like. Um, respect that. Both if you're a woman towards a man or a man towards a woman. Mm-hmm. Respect the boundaries of your uh, husband or wife. So... Beautifully put, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that not because I am perfect on that. I have only been married for three years or close to three and a half years now. Um, So that obviously, yeah, I am not an expert on marriage and marriage relationships and intimacy and anything like that. I am learning every day. Um, But that's, you know, where I've gotten so far as I need to do a better job of employing that. But Mm -hmm. I, you know. I do recognize that, that 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 is the situation. That is how you should handle it, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. So uh, we want to talk a little bit at the end of this because part of the, the podcast name is Pornography and a Healthy View of Sex. So we, as Charlie put there in his little three points there, and I think he did a great job really referring us to ultimately this is a God-given thing. That is a blessing. Sex is good in the right circumstances. God puts these boundaries about, around what is good. 
So what is inside this is wonderful, but going outside of it causes a lot of dangers, both to our personal, you know, our bodies, but also to our souls. Um, <clears throat> but I kind of grew up even with, without having any sort of porn addiction or anything like that. But I still, to this day, have a lingering, uh, if you even want to call it trauma, if you want to call it that. But I have a really negative relationship with sex and how I understand it. Um, I'm still trying to get over, like, if, if I'm honest with you, I couldn't even say the word sex out loud until, like, last year. Like, because I'm still learning about, okay, when God says it's healthy, it's healthy. And as I'm preparing to get married in this next year, I'm really having to work on, all right, how, how do I approach this with a, with a God at, at first, with Jesus as the center of my mind? How do I treat this, uh, this issue? So there can be a lot of really negative things that happen when you demonize sex as a thing rather than sexual immorality outside of what God has said. Ooh, yeah. like so that. when you put it in the, Hey, God has made sex and it's wonderful. Right. Instead of making it sex is bad, sex is bad, sex is bad for 18 years. And then finally hey, they leave. Good. Yeah. They leave and they're expecting grandkids in like a couple of years. Like, I didn't know that was okay. Like, you know. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do it and I'll kill you. Do it and I'll kill you. Do it and I'll yeah. kill you. All of a sudden, <laughs> do it now. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I don't have. I'm still trying to find that balance for myself and like even thinking already about like, how am I going to teach my kids about this so that they respect the balance that God has mm. given, but also that they understand that this is something that is good. Um, I don't know. There, there's, there's lots well, of thinking I think about that, that right there is, is, is how you can frame it. Right. Yeah. And I really like your point specifically with, you know, it's, it's not about, it's how you frame it. Like where for you, it was framed that sex is bad. Mm. Versus sexual immorality is bad. Um, that that I think plays a big role and it, and it creates a misunderstanding within you. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to then shift from se- how is how is sex actually good now? What yeah. do you mean sex is okay now? You've, I've lived my whole life believing that sex is bad. Mm-hmm. Not sex is beautiful, wonderful, blessing from God. Sex is good, but you should respect it and only use it in the right way. So I, I, f- I feel like that's how you could and, and probably should frame it to yeah. your kids because yeah. that will make a big impact on them Absolutely. so so i think that there's just there's healthier ways than how it's been handled in the past of how we've moved towards this so there is it's important for us to address and talk about porn and say yeah. this is not good this is not healthy this is not healthy it's not healthy for your soul um and throwing that into a marriage relationship yeah. that's gonna that's have devastating effects yeah but um and it's yeah. i feel like it's tough because Right. Sex can be inappropriate, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I feel like we should encourage and should have, you know, there should be communication about it between parents and their kids, right? Where mm-hmm. you should be open and, and to talk about it. Um, because if not, like in, in your case, right, it can lead to some pretty big misunderstandings and a lot of mental challenges that you have to overcome. But you also don't want to cross the line of like, what's too much? Like, what, like, you know, what, what becomes inappropriate? Mm-hmm. Like, what shouldn't I share with my kids? What should I share? What should I be open about? But also, what shouldn't I be open about? So that may be a question for somebody who <laughs> has a little bit more parental experience for than sure. I do. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of where I am right now is, you know, if, if the Lord blesses me with children someday, 
you know, I know what my parents did with me and I do feel like it was good enough, <laughs> I guess. Um, but you know, there's always, you know, things that, you know, you're going to learn as you go. Uh, cause if you talk about it too much, then you might encourage them to act too much upon yes, it. Yeah. But if you discourage it too much, then you may force them to never act upon it at mm-hmm. all, period. Yes. And even in a marriage relationship. So you have two opposite ends of the spectrum. So finding that balance of being open and communicating about it, but not being too open and over communicating to where mm-hmm. it becomes inappropriate, yeah. I think is an important line that you Absolutely. have to walk. The more I've studied scripture, the more I've seen Christianity is this healthy balance of everything. Right. There are things that are evil, but it's because they're corrupted good. So if you go too far to any extreme of an issue and you're not staying into what God has said about it, Mm. that becomes a problem. Because overcompensation is where you get the Pharisees. Pharisees, The under, like nothing is bad is where you get broader worldly culture, but also just like Israel beforehand. Right. But staying in line is what a Christian is called to do and uh, just following the way, following Jesus. Right. So it's important for sex and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to mention? That's it. So, right. you know, obviously, right, whichever way, you know, you may you may feel about this, whether you're someone who, you know, struggles with, with lust and struggles with pornography or whether you're someone who is the opposite, where you struggle with the idea of how can it ever be good? Hopefully this will help you in some way and you can get some kind of advice out of this. Like, you know, either way that you're, that you're in, it's not something that you're going to be able to flip a switch and cure either, either side of it Mm -hmm. where you're going to all of a sudden be like, Oh, sex is okay. Or all of a sudden be able to end your addiction with, with lust and with pornography. I feel like it's more of an addiction with lust in my mind. Maybe not because, (laughs) but it's not something that you're going to be able to fix overnight. It's going to take time. It's going to take dedication. Um, obviously, that's not something that you can do alone. Yeah. Hopefully, with this, we've given you some passages to think about. Sex is talked about more in the Bible than what we've gone over with today in multiple different ways. Um, so I would encourage you to study for, sure. for yourself, yeah. obviously. And if you have any questions, you know, I know this is an awkward topic and it's not one that we like to discuss, but it's something that we should discuss because not discussing it, I think, can lead to some pretty big issues. Yes. So if you have questions, if you have things that you're wondering about, um, if you have anything that you want to just talk about or be open about, um, you know, feel free to reach out, um, whether that's to us or whether that's to someone that you trust and that you know. Um, talk to somebody about it. Um, if you're married, you know, talk to your spouse. If you're unmarried, you know, ask, you know, your, your parents or ask somebody, an adult that, mm-hmm. that is married, um, or maybe someone that you know that has struggled with the same things that you have and just get their opinion or their point of view on it and get some advice from them. But ultimately, you know, pray about it and talk to God about it and read from his word. Mm-hmm. So and then we're going to plug our own podcast at the conclusion of this podcast, because <laughs> if you want to talk about confession, we have a podcast on that. Yep. So if you want to go and, and talk a little bit about confession, how we handle it, I think that would be a good place to go as well. Um, as Charlie mentioned, you can't do this on your own. This is not a battle that you're just going to, I mean, and that's the Christian is never called to fight alone. Um, so trust in Jesus. He knows you and he loves you and he cares about your struggle. So trust in him and also trust in the church around you. Yeah. That people actually care about you and have their, your best interests in heart. And that's common with any addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, uh, that's why like things like AA exist, right? Where you have groups of people who have struggled with the same addiction, 
that they can overcome it together because mm-hmm. trying to do it alone is hard. Yes. Not that it's impossible. People have done it, but it is is very difficult to overcome some of these things alone. And so having a group or having someone that you can talk to can help you understand that you're not alone with this. And you may be surprised at how many people struggle with the same things that you struggle with. Um, so just like any addiction, right, you should handle it in the same way um, because that's what this is at its root, right? If, if you're struggling with pornography, or you're struggling with lust, right? It's just like any other pill that anybody takes to get high. It's the same kind of thing and should be dealt with in that way. So, mm. all righty. Wow. Heavy, heavy day. But uh, <laughs> we hope that this was encouraging to y'all. Uh, again, thanks for listening. If you have any questions or thoughts uh, about ways we could have handled it better, if you don't think we handled it well, uh, please let us know. We're so thankful for y'all listening, and we hope you have a blessed week. <laughs>